Welcome to Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara. One part small talk, all parts real talk. This is the part of the day when Ajit gets to know the people behind the job titles at Tag. Hello, my name is Ajit Kara and I'm the CEO of Tag Americas. I believe that every company's biggest asset are its people. And I'm very fortunate to work at Tag where I think we have amazing people. So I decided to do a podcast to really understand what makes them tick and who are the people behind the curtain, so to speak. Today, I'm delighted that we're going to have Abigail Glenn as my guest. She's our TA recruiter for the Americas, and uh, I'm delighted that she's taken some time to join us. As always, this podcast is produced by Kaylee. Hi, Kaylee. How are you? Hi, Edward. I'm well. I have to say, you're looking a tad happier than normal today. Really? I'm usually a pretty happy person, but <laughs> I did just have lunch and I tried the Coke Dream World for the first time. What's uh, that? It's their, their latest novelty drink and I've been dying to, to try it since they launched it and uh, it's pretty tasty. What does that mean though? What does it include? What does it have? Like is it vanilla and you know, cherry or something? No, I, you know what? I've read reviews about it and no one can quite pinpoint exactly what flavor it is and when you taste it you'll know exactly what I mean it's supposed to taste like a dream so as uh, one of our colleagues rightly pointed out everybody dreams differently so I guess the flavor is a little different to everybody well in that case mine will be a chicken curry it tastes like chicken curry (laughs) (laughs) you have that I'm good with the sweet stuff Abigail. Hi, Ajit. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank uh, you. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Welcome. And <laughs> um, have a sip of this lovely Rioja. Mm, that's very good. You like it? That's great. I thank do. You. Thank you. Well, thank you for being my guest today. And uh, so, where are you from, Abigail? I was born and raised in Francis Town in Botswana. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Theoretically, that's not South Africa, is it? That's a separate. It's not. It's Central Africa. Central Africa. So it's literally right above the border of South Africa, locked in the middle there. And obviously, this shows my wonderful geography. How close is that to Johannesburg? Well, actually, I know it's it's a few hours drive north of Johannesburg. Yeah. Because I want the reason I'm asking this question is my father grew up in South Africa. All right. But it was actually two and a half hours from Johannesburg, and I don't know if it's towards the Botswana border. It's a place called Lewisstrup. I've probably said it wrong, but I'm going to written it out for you to describe it because I. How would you say that? Lewis Treatstad. Don't know. Hard pass. Well, there you go. That's where my father came from, (laughs) and uh, I hear lots of stories about how beautiful and amazing that part of the world is. And and so you grew up there for how long? I did. So I lived there for about ten years, and then my parents got divorced and moved to the UK. But I actually saved quite a funny story for you about my name. Go on. So. As I said, I was born in Botswana. I was actually born in a place called Francistown in Botswana, which is very far south of Botswana. And I was born in a mud hut. No. So it's literally born in a mud hut. Whilst it was a hospital and it had electricity and running water and everything, it was the walls were made of mud and it had a store roof. <laughs> and when I was born, the midwife asked what my name was going to be. And my father had only just picked it. They were going to call me Rose which I think would have been nice, but my father said her name's going to be Abigail. Because of the potential sort of language differences, the midwife didn't 100% understand, and she said, oh, happy girl, that's the <laughs> nicest name for actually, so for my, the first three days of my life, I was called happy girl. Oh, that's fantastic. Instead of Abigail. <laughs> then there's some stone dipping that, because that is you. <laughs> I think I've said to you before that when I've come in most mornings, you're here, and you're way too, 
upbeat and happy. Chipper? It's, it's, chipper. <laughs> it's, it's actually, if I'm honest, broadly annoying because yes, exactly. you are you are you are incredibly bubbly and happy. So it I started am. at that point, did it? I think it must have started with that. It was my namesake, and that's. Were you, that's a happy who I am. Were you a happy child? I think I was a happy child. I had a great childhood. Big family? So in Africa, I lived with my mum, my dad. I've got an older brother, younger sister, lots of animals. We had a goat called Gloria as well, which was really fun. And then when my parents got divorced, when we left Africa, my mum's remarried and I've got a wonderful stepfather now as well. And he's got three children. We're all similar ages. So technically one of six now. Expensive at Christmas. Very expensive at Christmas. Yes. And they, all of them have children as well. So I have 11 nieces and nephews now. It's extremely expensive at Christmas. Yes. It's why I don't go home that much. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come on to your travels a bit later, but uh, back to when you left something as amazing as yeah, Botswana. And then coming to good old UK, mm. yeah, the, yes. the, the kind of uh, the slightly uh, cloudy country that I'm not going to criticise because I was, yeah, my home country, mm. or India is my home country, but it's my second home country. What was that like as a transition from Botswana to whereabouts in the UK? So we actually moved to Dorset first. Oh, okay, right. um, so we lived with my mother right. um, for the first about eighteen months or so. My mum was a teacher before she retired, and so she got a, a job in a school there, which is great because then she was actually my brother's teacher for a while. <laughs> Not mine, thankfully, but uh, that was quite entertaining for them. And so we lived in Dorset first, which actually was amazing. It was a, a bit of a shift. Obviously, the climate and things were very different, but. It was still very outdoorsy, lots of animals, so all that was, was fairly similar. And I remember in Dorset, that was the first time I ever saw snow when I was about 10 years old. Granny had actually taken me into, I think, Yeovil to go and see the ballet, went to see the Giselle, which is the first ballet I ever saw. And on the way back, we were on the coach on the way back, and it snowed. And then we got home and got home to Dorset and we woke everybody up and went out and played in the snow for the first time ever. It's fantastic. Which was amazing. Dorset's a lovely place. I love, Beautiful. The, I love the food there as well, by the way. Um, um, yeah. And I know it should be more fish and healthy stuff, but clotted cream. Clotted cream, yes. I miss clotted cream. Yeah, lots of jams. Oh, yeah, love mm. it, love it. Back to Botswana and Dorset. You know, I, I picked up a few times this day, animals are quite important to you. Have you always been a big animal lover? I've always, we've always had animals around. So I've never personally had a pet of my own, but I'm just too impulsive and irresponsible. But we've always had animals around. So as a child, we always had cats and dogs. And like I mentioned, Gloria and being able to go on safari all the time. Very luckily, I was always surrounded by some of the you know, the greatest animals or lions in the wild. Saw leopard once, which was amazing. Saw a cheetah. Saw a cheetah doing a kill once. That was incredible. In the, in the light, that's crazy. Yeah, it was amazing. So we had a fantastic upbringing. And dad actually stayed out in Africa for maybe another six or seven years. So we'd go out and visit twice a year and he'd take us on amazing holidays around. I remember one of the most amazing things was he took us to a place called Chobi, which is in, I think it's in Zimbabwe. It's Zimbabwe or Zambia. And uh, we were doing a bit of a night safari and the night was the night sky was just filled with stars, but you couldn't see the moon because of the time of the month it was. And I remember seeing how sort of bizarre that was to not have that compass point. But this just that, that starry sky in Central Africa is unbeatable. It's on astonishing. And, and is that where your travel bug kicked in? Because you've kind of moved traveling at a young age to you know, places as far as that, or being on planes and being comfortable. You've traveled to quite a few countries, haven't you? I have indeed, yes. <laughs> Actually lived on five continents now. Well, wow. 
Which ones have you done and, and you've not got many left, have you? Two to go. Yeah. Yeah, Antarctica could be tricky, but uh, <laughs> I'll work it out. Um, so I've done, I obviously started in Africa, went to the UK. I've traveled a lot around Europe as well. I, lo- I love Europe. I was I'm very keen to, at some point, live back on the European continent, live in Italy and retire there and have a vineyard or something. Um, and I've lived in Australia as well, which was amazing. I loved Australia. Yes. Yes. There you go. I love the, the work-life balance, just the attitude of Australians. I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was wonderful. And then I recently just left Hong Kong, been in Asia for the last three years, which was fantastic, totally different. And that was crazy. I don't actually even know how that came about, to be fair, because I'd never visited Asia. And then a friend that I used to work with years ago, she'd gone to Hong Kong maybe four years prior and she was opening up a new recruitment company and said, look, I think your style of recruitment would do great out here. Would you move to Hong Kong? And I was like, yeah, okay. That's very, you know, brave when you think about, you know, recruitment is normally associated with you need to know the local, you know, nuances and people's likes, dislikes and to attract talent. And you sort of threw yourself in there. And, and I know for my colleagues, you're very successful, but how did you tackle that just with your normal passion, enthusiasm, you know, curiosity? I think that the key to recruitment is transparency and honesty and getting to know people rather than necessarily them getting to know me. I've been able to build rapport with people quite quickly. I've always had that skill, hopefully quite naturally. I don't think I ever really learned how to do that. So I I just sort of figured out who they were and what they wanted and hopefully match up the two. I think that's the best part of recruitment is finding people. And matching them to other people. <laughs> I agree. And I think one of the things that I also love when I travel, and you've traveled obviously quite a lot, is exploring local cuisines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what sort of, you know, I'm not, an, I'm not an adventurous eater, but I do like to try different things. What have you explored around the world and uh, consumed? So I think I've eaten some pretty weird stuff, to be fair. <laughs> so growing up in Africa, there's no shortage of things like game meat and wild boar and ostrich. Had crocodile as well which really did taste like chicken. Everything tastes like chicken. Um, <laughs> and as a child, I used to eat chungalulus. What is that? Which is like a little black centipede with red legs, and you pick it up and they curl up like a Christmas decoration. That's weird. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Haven't done that in a long time, though, so <laughs> don't worry. So if you have any bugs in the office, <laughs> we can call you to get yeah. rid of them. Yeah, like, abs, there's one over here. Um, <laughs> no, no, I've, I've had my lunch. <laughs> In a humane way, obviously, she won't bite down. No. She'll just swallow them whole. <laughs> the grubs. <laughs> um, but I think the weirdest thing I ever ate was my father took me and my sister to a chateau in France for New Year's Eve for a digestion menu, which was amazing. Everything was organic. He, The chef was a friend of his, and it was fantastic. And one of the courses came out, and it was sweetbread. And I said, oh, Dad, what's what's this then? And he's like, don't worry about it. Just eat it, Abigail. And when your father says something like that, you're like, okay, fine, I'll just eat it. And afterwards I did ask him what he was, what it was, and I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> but it, weirdly it did taste very, very nice until I figured out what it was. It's, it's the so, it's mind over matter sometimes. It really, is, it really yeah. is. I'm very glad he didn't tell me because I wouldn't have tried it. Yeah, I think that's probably my problem in that. And I, I blame my sister for this, and she does listen to this, and so I can tease her back. When I was very young... My mother had left to help feed me. She's three years older than me. And so she, her, tra- her strategy was spaghetti mm-hmm. uh, and convinced me that I was eating worms. Well, that's just that's, mean. That is mean. That's mean of her. Yeah, that is that. mean. I still remember that. I was very young. I still remember that. One of my weirdest food, I think triumphs 
and achievements though is I must have been about 11 or 12 and we'd gone out to Africa to see dad we might have actually been in Joburg and he took us to a steak restaurant and I hadn't had proper steak in a long time I'd been in the UK sorry UK and um, I ordered a kilo of steak that's that's a lot of me and I ate it in 33 minutes oh my god I was very impressed. My brother did it in 29, so I was a little bit annoyed about that. But still, he was 22 months older than me, so. Well, and he's a man, big yes. appetite. I'm assuming that now that you're here in America, you'll go to good old parts of America that they'll probably have competitions that could, that could equal that. <laughs> Can you imagine if I did a, yeah, yeah. a foodie in contest? Yeah, 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 I'd like to see you take down a big Texan. <laughs> Just by devouring a kg of steak. I'd be really into that, though. And I think you make me rethink about that wonderful analogy that people say, look, don't try and eat the elephant in one go. Mm-hmm. Bite-size it. No, 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 you want to eat it in one go, don't Just you? Just want to eat the yeah. whole thing, yeah. I love, <laughs> love red meat. Albeit <laughs> elephants, probably the wrong expression. But yes. you've had some experience with elephants, haven't you? I have, yes. Had some wonderful experiences with elephants, actually, both on safari, but then also... I traveled when I lived in Cape Town a few years ago, it must have been 2012, 2013. I did a bit of a holiday tour up the East Coast and I went to an elephant sanctuary. Wow. Which was wonderful. Absolutely, just the most peaceful place I've ever been in my entire life. And I was very lucky the time that I got there, the keepers were taking the elephants on a walk, taking them down to the watering hole and cool them down. And so they let me come and take, take the elephant for a walk, which was very humbling being with an animal that's that peaceful and enormous. And have you ever taken an elephant for a walk? I've been on an elephant mm-hmm. um, in, in India when, when we went up to one of the religious yeah, locations, we, we went up on an elephant. And, wow. you know, it'd be interesting your perspective, but they're majestic creatures. I know that many of them have been abused and some of them can go mad, but they're generally an incredible animal. And um, majestic is the right word. They have that, they look at you and they have that sort of, they, they kind of, Knowing. Very knowledgeable and very intelligent. And it is quite moving, actually. Yeah, it really was. It definitely was. And because this was a sanctuary, all the elephants had been rescued from somewhere. And the elephant that I had, her name was Rata, which in Swana, which is one of the languages in Botswana, means love. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was a very humbling, moving, wonderful experience. But to take an elephant for a walk, you have to sort of put your hand as a hook by your hip. And then they put their trunk in it, oh. and then you walk with them. It was amazing. That's so cute. Absolutely amazing. I'd want to take that home. And they're so gentle. <laughs> yeah. Definitely wanted to put that in the backpack and take it with me. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Now, so back to your childhood. I'd like to know, you know, favourite gift that you got when you were, when you were younger, and secondly, what would you, do you want to be? My favourite gift, the first gift I ever received was... A pink briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) It's not unusual at all. No, not unusual. It did have, you know, pens and pencils and paper and stuff in it. The pink I wasn't too happy about. I was never really a girly girl, but I loved the organization of the briefcase and I wanted to go and work with dad. I always thought I'd probably go into something office-like, but it it was never necessarily a dream job. I don't think I've ever really had a dream job, dream job. But the first job I remember ever saying I want to be when I grow up was I wanted to be a farmer in oh, Dorset. Good, good for you. So that I could make my own ice cream. <laughs> Wouldn't have to wait for mum to go to the shop because I could make it myself. Then you know how much hard work it is. <laughs> and then I figured out what time I'd have to get up in the morning. So quickly set that aside, for sure. I, I've got to be honest, I, I, um, 
I think many people now on the podcast know that I grow my own vegetables. It's a long way yes. from being a farmer, but it, it, it gives me a very small appreciation of the care and the nurture that it takes and the frustration and the, I literally go down and have a look at how they're growing. I get quite uh, uh, irritated saying this goes wrong or, you know, you become quite caring about them. And, and having watched, I'm a huge fan of Jeremy Clarkson's antics and seeing him on the farm show and seeing how hard it is to be a farmer mm. in any country these days. It's just super hard work and uh, got to respect all our farmers. We take it for granted because we go out and buy the vegetables for whatever it is. And, exactly. Uh, Convenience all, is yeah, key. It's a huge amount of work. Do you sing to your vegetables? I have heard that that can help if they're sad. If you heard how I sing, <laughs> you'd know that my vegetables wouldn't want me to. I don't think they'd care. I think they just want to feel the love. <laughs> now, the, the better question, well, do I talk to them? Yes, I do. You do? I do. Okay. I like, do. A, like a conversation? Well, you know, come on, you could do better. You yeah. Know, you know, your neighbour there is growing quicker than you. Oh, and, like encouraging. And That's encouraging. cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And competitiveness. Yeah. You know, like, uh, <laughs> the one in the other bed seems to be having a better time than you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem I really to hope that makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can. Sh I actually have brought in. Ironically, I have brought in a few cucumbers today. Have Because my daughter, who stays in Manhattan, has demanded that I bring in from home some cucumbers so she can continue to make some salads with it. She loves her homegrown stuff. Well, I definitely would like to see that. You have hobbies, don't you? Tell me about your hobbies. I have lots of hobbies. I do lots of things. I like to. I figured out. I like to know a little bit about a lot of things. I recently joined up to, not one, but two. I accidentally joined two basketball teams. I've never Ex said basketball. Accidentally? Totally accidentally. I did not mean to do this. I was on the waiting list for one, didn't want to miss out on the season, so I signed up for the second one. And just to be clear, are you good at basketball? I've never played basketball in my life. And I'm five foot four. <laughs> like, I don't know how I think I can do this. But, no, that is funny. But again, just learning new things. Just got to yeah, keep yeah, yeah. learning new I stuff. I suspect the teammates of these two basketball things that you've you know joined will be slightly disappointed when they see your five foot four they might be never played <laughs> luckily it's a casual league Is so it? i don't right. think anyone's really played but because i've never played before i've been kind of downloading youtube drills <laughs> basketball drills on youtube i'm so borderline speechless on this one that's <laughs> insane so i needed to get a basketball right so i've ordered a basketball from amazon that'll be here on friday i'm like great there you go, bring it to the office. Uh, uh, we'll have a little net here in the office. Uh, yes, let's do that. Just to be clear, so you need the right. You did order the round ball, not the obligated ball. Oh my God, really? What? The balls are round? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a rugby ball. <laughs> no, I was just trying to prepare you for this. Uh, when you bounce those, they're not the same. It's not going to work the same, no. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. That'll be fun. Who knows? I could be amazing. You mentioned that, you know, you like to know a little bit about lots of things. Does that translate into why you're so good, your job? Because, you know, <laughs> when you're trying to attract talent in a pretty heavy talent limited marketplace, you seem to do really well. Do you make it, how does that help? Do you make it your business to know, understand, research? Tell me how that kind of translate into your, into your day life. Well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> I am very good at my job. Um, I've seen the videos, by the way, the, the, your weekly <laughs> yes. videos. Yes. My videos, yeah, yeah they're, they're really good fun. I love doing those. I think what it comes down to, I think I'm just an inquisitive person, so I like asking questions. That's, I think that's where that thirst for knowledge comes from. So whilst I do it in my personal life and I read a lot and I watch documentaries and read papers and listen to lectures and all that sort of stuff to learn whatever it is that pops into my head to figure out, I think the same thing translates when I'm speaking to candidates. It's not necessarily trying to match them up with that job. It's more 
just tell me about who you are and what you've done and what you're interested in. And let's see if there's something that we can figure out from there. Does that also link to, you know, your, I think, and it's bravery, like how you as a, on your own, you know, went from the UK, well, for South Africa with a family to the UK, but from a, an employment perspective, you know, UK to Australia, Australia to Hong Kong and Hong Kong to the US. And, you know, coming here, I know you're on your own, you know, coming to the Big Apple, new city, new cultures, on your own. That, that in my view, takes... Say it one more time. On your own. On your own. <laughs> <laughs> good point made well the the reason i say that though is that because it takes a lot of you know so i couldn't do because I, I need my handheld at every level but my you know it, it's the confidence to be able to do something like that and and be fearless around it and how have you found that coming to places that are new and different and you've just kind of immersed yourself into that is that that curiosity that makes that happen i think it's definitely the curiosity i think growing up as a child and traveling around at such a young age gave me the the travel bug, as they call it. But I've also, I've traveled for lots of different reasons. It's not always been for work. Sometimes it's been for escaping. I needed to get out of something or personal growth or, and in every one of the situations in every country I've lived in, there's always been something that's been a little bit of a, a challenge, <laughs> not just getting there and finding an apartment and getting a mobile and setting up bills. Everyone has to do that. And you just sort of work through that process, but more there's been something that's happened that has pushed my comfort zone. And so now when I moved to New York, it was a bit of a no brainer to take this. And I was like, if I can, if I've done it before, I can do it again. It's Nothing a, that bad will happen. It's a lesson for, it's a, well, exactly, yeah. It's a lesson for all of us that when you face fears and walk through that door, they don't seem as big when you've done that, you know, and, and you've got to sometimes keep doing that and, you know, facing up to them, walking through that door, and then they become less. Agreed. And I think also doing it by myself, not to harp on that. <laughs> how lonely not. I am. <laughs> um, I'm not oh, I'm lonely. I'm sure you're not. Uh, no, I'm not lonely. I think that because I've had to do so much of it by myself for such a long time, it's just helped me to then also see that in other people. So when I'm talking to people and they're changing their job, and that's a hugely scary thing to do sometimes. So, you know, I, I can empathize with that and support them through making that change. And I've even coached people on how to resign from their role so that they can come and join us. Because if they don't, if sometimes if you don't have someone to hold your hand through something, you will muddle through. But just every now and then, you just need someone to say, you're going to be okay, just say this, say it quickly, and you'll be fine. So, with all of your travelling and uh, relocating and going from continent to continent, how do you manage it? Like, you know, how do you get the the strength, the resources, the, you know, it's, it's I mean, having moved a continent myself, yeah. it's not easy. I mean, how, how do you do it? It's not easy, and I don't think it's ever been like a, a sort of snap decision, but... They've always been such exciting challenges and I've really loved it, but I think I've been able to do it and I've had the courage to do it because my family's amazing. Wow. I love them. They're fantastic. <laughs> They're incredibly supportive. Even when I do crazy things like, cool, I'm moving to Hong Kong in three months or great, I'm moving to New York in six weeks. That's fantastic. Um, they've always been there for me, which has been incredible. And I have lived in lots of places and I have made some amazing friends and I definitely wouldn't be able to do it without them. So it, I've been very, very lucky. And there's always FaceTime. And there's always FaceTime, exactly. <laughs> when I moved to Cape Town years and years ago, we didn't do that, yeah. you know. And when I lived in Africa, 
we used to write letters to each other. Oh, is that fantastic? So, it, you know, you don't feel the distance so much anymore. Yeah. So thank you. I'm sure they, um, it makes when the time that you go and spend with them or they come to you, it makes that just much nicer. It does. Yeah, it's wonderful. Really great. Thank you for your time here. This is the part where you get to ask me uh, any question. I can ask Ajit anything. <laughs> yes, you might. I better take a sip of my wine now. You better. <laughs> okay, so if there were a zombie apocalypse, yes. what survival skills are you going to bring to the table, Ajit Kara? <laughs> well, it's a good question. I, I hope it's a few years away. <laughs> I would bring my ability to grow vegetables to the party because we'll need some fresh vegetables excellent uh, i'd bring my engagement skills with the zombies uh, uh <laughs> to try and find some middle ground <laughs> i if they go negotiate exactly I'd, I'd be chief negotiator <laughs> with the zombies to see if we could find some middle ground you know if they could avoid eating us that'd be very helpful and uh you know my general charismatic out humorous outlook on life in a very dark place would be the uh, the three things that i bring to the party that would be very handy indeed <laughs> well i hope it doesn't happen but you might be able to be on my team that's okay <laughs> well, uh, well thank you for that great question abigail and can i just end by thanking you for you know being such an amazing fearless brave and not alone talent that helps a lot of folks in this country and our people and um, you know wishing you good speed and good well thank you so much thank you very much Ajit cheers appreciate it good health join us soon for another episode of Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara and learn more about the people behind the job titles at Tag Thank you.